Right, so tail end of this letter, the Apostle Paul writing to, remember this is a church that the Apostle Paul had planted, he had spent time with them, invested in them heavily, and they were heavily invested in Paul, weren't they? They got behind the Apostle Paul and the work that Paul was doing for the Lord, with the Lord, unto the Lord. They were the really the only church that Paul mentions that supported um, the work of the ministry through Paul's life. And really, by and large, as we've read through this letter, we recognize it's a thank you letter. Paul is thanking these precious people for their investment in God's kingdom. And we, as we've studied it also, as we've worked our way through this letter, we realize that the Apostle Paul has also given us exhortation, reminders, promises, and all of it we know too. The theme of this letter is, is it, what's the theme again? Joy, that we might have joy no matter what the circumstances that we are going through. And Paul teaches us, remember where Paul was uh, writing from? Where was Paul writing from? Club Med? Where was he writing from, y'all? From prison. Even in prison with nothing, he had nothing left. Everything stripped away from his life. And here he is in a prison, chained And he's teaching us, even in that circumstance, no matter what we're going through, we can have joy as well. And we've walked through this letter verse by verse, and we've learned um, how to have joy. We've learned um, how Paul could have joy. And, And really, we're reminded that it comes ultimately from a connection with Jesus. It's the one that we're connected to and and also our connection with one another and knowing who Jesus is and what he has promised us and the work that he's doing in our lives. And so as we ran into chapter four, as we move forward in chapter four to finish up here, remember, actually, where do we leave off in this service? 19. I'm going to move back to verse 10. Get a running start this morning. Y'all ready? Look what what God's word says. What Paul writes, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. I'm super stoked. I'm so happy in the Lord because of who Jesus is, what he's done, what he's doing. I've rejoiced greatly in the Lord that now at last your care for me has flourished, has blossomed again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. And Paul's thanking them. Remember, we're going to read in just a moment, the Philippians sent this dude, Epaphroditus, brought a love gift, a care package to Paul. We're not told what it was. Financial, no doubt. Maybe blankets, maybe pillows, maybe clothes, food. Whatever it was, Paul is super stoked. He's so happy that the Philippians were thinking of Paul again. Their care for Paul flourished again. They weren't just saying, I love you, Paul, mean it. There was something that backed up their love for the Apostle Paul by their actions and their care for him. And he's like, I'm so thankful. I'm, I'm rejoicing greatly in the Lord that your care has blossomed again. Hey, you didn't have an opportunity earlier, but now you have an opportunity now. Not that I speak in regard to need, Hey, I'm not in need. I'm not begging for money. I'm not begging for stuff. I'm not twisting arms. I'm not, I'm not dropping a guilt, gotcha on, a guilt gotcha on you. I'm not manipulating here. He says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned, notice that word learned, I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. 
Remember the lesson we learned last week? Remember the points from last week? You said seven points last week, Pastor. I counted five. I don't know what's wrong with your math. This was one of the major points, wasn't it? Contentment doesn't come natural. It is, it is learned. And that word learned is a mathematical term, right? It speaks of sequences. It speaks of step by step. Anybody here do math? It's step by step, right? You do step by step. Paul's like, I've learned step by step to be content. And who's the one who taught him step by step? Jesus did. No matter what I'm going through, whether he said what, whether whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. Because contentment doesn't come naturally, does it? Does contentment come naturally, you guys? It doesn't. I mean, think about our lives so often discontent. So often we watch TV or we hear an ad or we see something and think, I got to have that. Only if I had this, only if I look like that, I'll be content. Only if the, the wrinkles stopped, I'd be... Oh, well, here's the fountain of youth cream and you got to have this. And, and then you find out what? Does it work? No, because, because of what? Starts with G, rhymes with navity. Gravity is still, we can kind of fix stuff, polish stuff up, fix stuff up, but ultimately, correct? No? And we can be so discontent. And so contentment is learned. It's something that we need to learn. Otherwise, we won't experience joy. We won't experience satisfaction. David said, remember what David said, looking back on his life, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want because he's the one that satisfies me he's the one that cares for me and so paul goes on to say i know how to be abased what does it mean to be abased does that mean to have a lot of stuff no it means to have nothing like very little i know how to be abased and what does he say i know how to abound i know how to 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 handle prosperity in my life to handle when i've got all the stuff i need and even more there is a way to handle that, isn't there? He says, I know how to handle that. Everywhere, no matter where I am, no matter where the Lord leads me, no matter where I find myself, no matter what my job, no matter what my title, my position, where I am in life, everywhere and, what does he say, in some things? In all things, what does he say? I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul says, I've learned again. Different word than the other word learned. This word learned means I've learned the secret. I've had an aha moment. Oh, I get it. I get it now. I understand. And I've been praying all week long for you guys that for some of you, I don't know who you are, that you would have an aha moment that you too would learn the secret. And we don't need to Google the secret. We don't need to go and try to find the secret out there. The secret's in the next verse. Did you see the next verse? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What's the secret to contentment? What's the secret to satisfaction? What's the secret to joy? What is the secret to life? I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me, whether I'm abased, whether I'm abounding, whether I got this job, whether I don't have the job I want, whether I'm at a, whatever it is, whatever I'm going through, no matter what my condition is, 
I'm okay. It's going to be okay. I'm good to go. Why? Because I can do all things. How much is all? All things through Jesus Christ who gives me the strength, who gives me what I need. Is that good news this morning? Isn't that a great reminder this morning? Apart from him, I can do nothing. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me, right? And you will bear much fruit. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we learn contentment no matter where God places us, whatever job, whatever car you got, whatever physically where we're at, whatever we got going on, we can learn to be content because of Jesus Christ. The answer is a person, you guys. The answer is Jesus, our shepherd. He sustains us. Well, and then Paul moves into this topic we looked at last week a little bit, this topic of giving, right? Let's read it real quick. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia... No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And then look at this amazing promise. And my God, is that a little amen over there? Thank you, yeah. And this, yeah, she's like, amen, I know it already. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Wow. Isn't that good promise? You guys like that promise? No? Some of you guys? Is that a pretty good promise? Yeah. Isn't it? You guys with me still this morning. Is, is, is giving a touchy issue? Some of you have been in churches. I know. I was in a church where it, I got worn out, man. It was like every week it's a begathon. You know what I'm talking about? It's triple tithe Sunday. Get the chicken buckets going around again. Get the music going. You know, the... Some of you, I, just, I mentioned giving and you start squirming. Oh, no. I've been coming to this church for a while and, and, and they don't pass the chicken buckets and, and I don't know what's going on. The, the pastor never says anything about money or anything else. And this is the, is this the, I came on the Sunday, he's finally going to talk about it. We talk about it because we're hitting it in scripture. You, got, you guys know we go through verse by verse, week after week, book by book. You guys with me? Yeah. It's glorious. And then we get what the Lord would have for us in the, a required amount every week. Are you, are you with me? Is God going bankrupt? He is not going bankrupt. We don't need to have some kind of pledge thing, thermometers on the wall. We don't need any of that. Jesus said, I will build my church. He's going to take care of his church. Are you guys with me on that? Isn't it, isn't it like refreshing not to be begged? Isn't, is, I don't know about you. Isn't it refreshing to come to a church where that's not the, like the thing? For me, when I first came to Calvary Chapel, that was like one of the things I was so blessed by. It was all about Jesus and the word of God. And I was like, oh. 
wait a minute, they got to have it. It's got to be coming any minute. Come on. No. And so the topic of giving. And I love what Paul says here. He begins with verse 14. And he says, you've done well. And, and it, speaks of, it speaks of, literally in the Greek, it speaks of, you've done a beautiful work. Do you know that God has beautiful works prepared for you also? Ephesians 2.10, is it? For you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're his work of art. You're his poema. God wants to express beautiful themes through your life, wherever he leads your feet. He's prepared good works for you to walk in. And Paul's commending the church. He's like, man, you have done a beautiful work. Well, what, was, how did they, what did they do? What produced beauty? Look what he says. Because you have shared with me in my distress. And again, that word shared, it comes from koinonia. speaks of that fellowship partaking of life together, having in common. So Paul says here, listen, um, you made yourselves fellow partakers of the distress, of the tribulation, the heaviness I was going through. You are walking through it with me. Paul says, I've been under pressure and you've been under pressure as well. You're in this with me. And I think, again, I, I mentioned last week, do we care what others are going through? Do we, do we, are, are we touched by the infirmities of our brothers and sisters in the body? Their hurts? Do we relate? Because we are a body, aren't we? Are we a body? Isn't that Paul used that analogy as, as a family, as a church, right? We are called a body. Every one of us has different body parts, correct? Is that correct this morning, you guys? Whether you're an ear, nose, pancreas, some parts you can't see, are they all vital? Even the big toe is. No big toes, you can't walk. Correct? If you didn't know that, that's just a little side little thing for you this morning. When one member suffers, we all suffer. When one member rejoices, we all rejoice. You guys ever bump your toe or slam your finger? What does the whole body do? Ouch, is that what comes out? Or something else? (laughs) Don't be lying in church now. Just don't say it out loud. Just repent. Listen, I I haven't arrived yet in that department, by the way. It's not beep, 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 beep. But it's not praise the Lord. Oh, thank you. That was awesome. Drop that dumbbell on my toe. Oh, thank you, Lord. That was so good. What happens? You drop something on your toe, and everybody's, everybody feels it, don't they? The mouth says something, because it comes from the heart, right? And you squint your eye. Maybe tears come out, right? The eyes are affected. The hands go down to do what? To rub the toe. toe. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Is that that what happens? Everybody's involved, right? And maybe the other, this guy's jumping, the other one's lifted up. Yeah, correct? Paul's saying, listen, I'm suffering over here, and you guys are walking through this with me. It's touching your hearts. And it's causing you to respond in love and care for me. And that's what Jesus does in our lives, doesn't he, when we're hurting? 
He's touched by our infirmities, and he helps us, and he walks with us, and he cares for us. Can I, here's a point this morning, I think, from the text. God wants us to have real connection with one another. And sadly, the church, I'm not saying our church, sadly, the church in general, by and large, isn't that connected. It's so separated. So many walls we put up. But I pray that our connection would be real with one another. And so they stuck with the Apostle Paul, even though he was going through difficulty all alone. And so look at the next verse, verse 15. Now you Philippians know, church, you are well aware. When I brought the good news to you, and they were, Macedonia is in northern Greece. Remember, Paul went there on his second missionary journey. He brought the good news to them. People were getting saved. I mean, it was, it was pretty crazy how that church started. We don't have time to talk about that, but an amazing work of the Holy Spirit there in northern Greece, modern-day northern Greece. Paul came there, then he traveled southbound, hitting those other little cities, Berea, Thessalonica, all the way down to Achaia, Corinth, all those cities, and all along the way, ministering churches are being planted. And Paul's like, you remember, though, when I was there, no one but you supported or shared with me concerning what? Look what it says in that verse. Concerning giving and receiving in this area of support, but you only, those in Thessalonica. When I, oh no, when I was in Thessalonica, when Paul was in Thessalonica, he says, you sent not just once, but on a number of occasions, you sent for my necessities to supply what I needed. It's interesting, that word necessities, we get, it speaks of business. In business. In other words, you, you sent me everything I needed to stay in business. You sent, the things that you sent to me kept me going in ministry. The things that you sent me enabled me to keep sharing the good news and seeing God's kingdom furthered. It was a beautiful thing, a beautiful work the Philippians did, not only sharing with Paul in his sufferings, but sharing of the things, the resources that God had given the church, had given the believers there. They said, we want to share with Paul in this area of giving and receiving. And the Philippians, were they regularly contributed in order for Paul to continue ministry. And by the way, they were not a wealthy church. They were one of the poorest churches. And yet they were the only ones that got behind Paul in their support of him. And so our, listen, this morning, our giving and receiving is how our father does business. Have you ever thought about that? Why are we instructed? Why are we told in the Bible to give to God? You ever thought about that? Anybody ever give that a thought? Is God going broke? Does he need our money? Then why? Well, number one, this is the way he chose, like I just mentioned a moment ago, our giving and receiving is how our father does business. Right? He doesn't just drop a big bag of loot on the front door at Calvary Chapel, West Houston, between the two palm trees here you go. Support those ministries. Get, get, work, get the work of the ministry done. Keep the lights on. Keep the air going, the heat going. Correct? 
Elder, el, the elders that are here, that, that's correct, right? That doesn't, the pastors that are here, that's not how it works. It's because of your generosity of God touching your hearts in this area of giving and receiving. That's how God gets his work done. And it's supernatural. It is supernatural. Isn't it beautiful that we never ask, and yet God provides for 20, almost 20 years now, God's provided every single thing we've needed to do ministry. Do you know that's a miracle? That's miraculous. That's supernatural. But it's not only supernatural what God does in and through the church itself through ministry, but it's what he does supernaturally in our hearts. Why does God want us to give? Because that's how God raises children. Did you know that this morning? That's how God raises children to make life a bummer. Does God say you, need, you should give because it's going to make life a bummer for you? This is how he raises kids. I'm learning, I've learned, I'm learning still that I'm a pretty selfish person. Did I hear an amen? <laughs> Those of you who know me, you're like, yeah, amen, dude. Now you finally realize it, Mike? <laughs> but here's the deal. Every time I give, whether it's time, talents, treasure, whatever it is God's giving me. When I give, I give away a little of my selfishness. And I realize I have a lot of selfishness to give away and get rid of. And what begins to happen? Oh, Lord, I realize this all belongs to you. This doesn't belong to me. You're the greatest giver. Isn't God the greatest giver? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son to us. By this we know love that Jesus gave himself for you and I. The greatest demonstration of, of love is giving, isn't it? And so it's a demonstration of my love for Jesus and my love for others. And if I'm to be like him, to bear his image, then I too will be a giver to others, to him. And so... And Jesus said it, didn't he? It's more blessed to give than to, than to receive. And in, the, in Philippians, the Apostle Paul said, Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So we walk in love. And however that plays out, however we, however we give of ourselves, we give of our resources, it is a demonstration of the love that he's already poured into our hearts. And so we follow in our Lord's example. It's all his. I give to him because I love him. Because I love him. It's, and it's from my heart. And so Paul's heart, look at the next verse, verse 17. Not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I'm not desiring a, a love gift. I'm not desiring a, a, a care package. This is not some self-serving thing, Paul says. But what? He says, I'm intensely seeking, I'm intensely desiring, is the idea, the fruit that increases on your heavenly account. This is so beautiful. Paul says, what I'm seeking is fruit, rewards in heaven that are accumulating to your account. I would say he's other-centered, wouldn't you? Would you say that's other-centered? 
I'm not craving the gift. I'm craving the fruit that's superabounding in your life. And by the way, that, is, that should be the heart of every one of us is seeing other people's lives fruitful. Because don't you want to see your kids' lives fruitful? Your spouse? Yes? No? Maybe so? The people in church? Really, that's the heart, that's the heart of our Lord. He wants to see our lives bearing fruit. Why? Because Jesus said it brings glory to God. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. That is the heart of our Lord, fruitfulness in the lives of others. And by the way, a fruitful life is a joyful life. Do you guys know that? It's a joyful life. And so God was really doing a work in the Philippians. They recognize that there is eternal value in all of this. Can I remind us this morning, this is like point number five already, I think, or three. An account is being kept. An account is being kept. Do you know you have an account in heaven? And you have resources God has given you to use for the furtherance of his kingdom and for the glory of God. And we are encouraged many, many, many times by our Lord Jesus to do what? To wisely use the resources he's given to you and to me. I think I mentioned it last week, right? Do not store up your treasures where? On earth. Do not lay up your treasure. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it's interesting, Paul said to Timothy as he was signing off on his first letter, it's interesting he said this, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, or prideful, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Isn't that beautiful? So, so Paul's like, command those who are rich. And maybe you're sitting here this morning going, that, that's not me. I don't need to listen to that. I'm barely scraping by. Listen, compared to the rest of the world, we are fabulously wealthy. Do you guys know that this morning? If you have a refrigerator, you have a servant. If you have running water, you have a servant. If you have a washing machine and dryer, you have two servants. Do you guys know that this morning? All of us are fabulously wealthy. So I would say this probably applies to every single one of us this morning. So what are we to do? Don't be prideful. Recognize where it came from. Lord, I'm not... I don't deserve any of this. It's by your grace that I have what I have. And I thank you, Lord, that you're the one who blessed me with the stuff I have. And Paul says, don't trust in those things because we can, can't we? Some of us, some of us I know, you're, you're making great investments for the future, your 401ks and all of that. But don't trust in that. That can be gone in a moment's time. Whatever it is you're storing up, some of us are preppers. I don't know, is that what that's called? Those people that store up their stuff? Guess what? In a moment's time, bing, gone. 
know what I'm saying? Store up your treasures in heaven. That doesn't mean don't be, let me balance this out. That doesn't mean don't be smart and have a little extra water on hand, but your garage shouldn't be packed with toilet paper. <laughs> like you're hoarding and hiding. And then when someone comes, it's, what do you, in the name of Jesus, <laughs> you know, come and, come and take it, you know. Your, tr- your, your trust is in the wrong place this morning. But listen, he gives us, what, it is, what does it say? He says, he gives us richly all things to enjoy. Whatever he's blessed you with, you can enjoy it. Do you know that? Because some people get tripped out. I can't enjoy this. Enjoy it, it says right there. But he says, let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Back to Philippians 4.18. Indeed, I have all. I'm well supplied and abound. Man, I got an abundance. I'm full. I'm satisfied having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. This care package, this love gift. And we're, by the way, we're not told. It's interesting. We're not told exactly what the love gift was, correct? I mean, it could have been clothes. It could have been blankets. Remember in that prison system there, you get nothing. You're... You're relying on everyone else to help take care of you when you're in prison, in that kind of an old, ancient prison. So it could have been clothes, blankets, pillows, food. It could have been money. It could, it could have been 5,000, I don't know what they had, doubloons or I don't know, 5,000 5, bucks. It could have been five bucks. And Paul could have told the Roman guard, hey, can you get me some Taco Bell and bring it back to the cell? It didn't matter to Paul. He was just grateful for their support that enabled him to keep going. But it not only blessed Paul, I think this is like, I think this is so key that we don't miss this this morning. Look what it says. Their giving was worship. It is worship. Look what it says. I've received the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to who? To God. This is so important. He says, what you gave to me, this love gift, it, the smell, it, Paul's using Old Testament imagery, correct? Remember in the Old Testament? The, the children of Israel would support the ministry, Right? Bringing their, bringing their stuff, giving and receiving. The priesthood would receive the offerings, the tithes and offerings that the people brought, and they would put the offerings, some of them on the altar, and it would, the smoke would go up. It says in the, it says in the King James, it was a savor of rest to God. In other words, it went up and God smells that offering and goes, oh, that's so beautiful, so great so amazing and you guys know how it is you go into someone's house that smells really good they're cooking <sighs> what are you making tofu surprise oh. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever <laughs> that's the best tofu surprise I ever smelled oh it's just blessing my but it's, when you smell something that's no, isn't it a blessing gals when your husband leaves the house he's got the polo cologne or whatever oh 
They still make polo cologne, I don't even know. Whatever, whatever cologne you wear, Old Spice, yeah. <laughs> or your babe, right, your radical Christian babe. She's got, you know, whatever. Why are they all weird names? Poison, obsession, just different Bible study, sorry. <laughs> but she smells so great. It's like, oh, it's a blessing, right? It smells so good. Oh, that's what God says. This offering, this giving blessed God. And not only that, it's an acceptable sacrifice. The love, the, the love gift, the care package was approved by God also. And then notice what else it says, well-pleasing. It made God really, really happy. And again, it, it all speaks of worship. In the Old Testament, right, the, the Jews, the children of Israel would bring their stuff to the temple, to offer his worship. This is, Paul's saying this was an act of worship, what, what you've done. And when, when I say that, it wasn't like, oh, we're laying, you know, gracious dad here. When you worship, you're saying, God, you're worth it. You are worthy. You're worthy of my trust. You are worthy of my adoration. You are worthy of my obedience. You are worthy. You are worthy of my giving. It all belongs to you. That's worship. Worship. Worthship. It comes from that that uh, old English phrase. Worthship. You are worthy. You are worth it. I'm saying, God, you're worth it. When we give to the Lord's work, ultimately we're giving to God, and we're saying, God, you're worth it. Your kingdom being furthered, people getting saved, the church being built up. I'm saying, God, you're worth it. Notice their sacrifice was acceptable. How is a sacrifice acceptable to God or approved by God? 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, doesn't doesn't Paul tell us there? What needs to be the, the the major factor in our giving, whatever we do? Love. If there's no love, there's no love involved. It profit, it's nothing. It's clanging cymbal. It's the gong show. It's, it's worthless. It needs to be, mo- the motivation needs to be love for the Lord and love for others. Bottom line. That's what he says. When the family lovingly gives, God receives. When the family lovingly gives, God is really happy. Did you notice it was a sacrifice? Did you guys catch that, by the way? Did you guys see that in there? It's a sacrifice. Loving sacrificial giving really blesses God. God is well pleased when his people give sacrificially. Remember the widow with her two mites? You guys remember that story? Jesus was on the temple mount and all, and all the people were bringing their gifts and many of them tooting their horn too, right? Do, 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 check out my giving. Jesus said, when you give, don't, don't be like them, right? Didn't he say that? Is that in the book, you guys? Did he say something like that? Don't toot the horn. And here are these people, they're bringing their gifts and they're piling it on at the temple. And here comes this little widow. And Jesus points out, guys, look at this. Look what's going on here. Don't miss this. This little little widow had how many mites did she have again? Two mites. That's all she had in her whole life. And maybe those religious leaders had ripped her off. Do you know that? Because that's what they were doing. Jesus condemned the religious leaders because they were ripping off widows. Maybe she was one of the widows that got ripped off. And yet she's doing what? She's still giving. (gasps) 
She's giving to what church? Don't you know what they do with the money over there? No, once it was out of her hands, she was giving to the Lord. That's the bottom line. Do you guys know that? It's like, Lord, this is for you. I'm giving it to you, Lord. And wherever it gets directed, that doesn't mean we don't have accountability, but she gave knowing that that was a den of wolves. And how much did she give? One mite or two? Here's one for you, Lord. I'm going to keep the other mite. I don't know what's going to happen. I'll parlay this into a couple more mites later on. Somehow. She gave it all. Isn't that interesting? You know what she was saying? What she was saying by doing that? God, I'm worshiping you. I trust you. I trust you. The God that allowed her to be in that condition, that allowed her to come to that place of having nothing, she said, I'm giving this to you, Lord. You are worth it. I trust that you're going to take care of me. Do you Listen, this morning, do you trust that God will take care of you? Do you, got, do you guys trust that God's going to take care of you? I, I mean, that's like 30% of the room. I tru- I'm trying to encourage you this morning. Jesus said, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will take care of you. Can I also point out God will not dry up the giver? Look at this promise. Look at this promise, what it says here, gang. So it smells great to God. It blesses him, pleases him. And then the promise, my God shall supply how much of your need? All your need according to his riches. What it comes down to is his magnificent, glorious wealth by Christ Jesus. It's all because of your connection to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Because you're connected to him. My God will supply everything you need to function and to do business. Do you know that this morning? God will give you everything you need to be successful in what he's called you to do. Do you know that this morning? Well, maybe you don't. Maybe you're saying, I don't know that. Because maybe you've never stepped out in obedience to what he's calling you to do. I'm not amening because I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. Because maybe the Lord is encouraging you this morning. You see this promise that was given? That's not like a general promise for every single one of us here. This promise is given to specific people. And it's people that what? What did it say? Those that were giving. Those that were connected, lovingly caring for Paul. They lovingly cared for him. We're associating with Paul. We're connected with Paul, sharing in his distress. They gave regularly, and they gave sacrificially. If you're doing what the Philippians do, then this promise is for you. If you are not doing what the Philippians do, then this promise is not for you. Are you caring? Am I caring for others? Am I giving regularly? Am I giving sacrificially? And God will not, listen, God will not dry up the giver. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But this I say, he who sows sparingly, what's sow mean? Is that when you take the needle and thread? Is that what he's talking about here? So, what does sow mean? Plant seeds. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You sow a lot of seed, and what happens? It's abounding in fruitfulness, correct? 
So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Did you guys catch that? It's between you and God. It's between you and Jesus. Not between you and me, not between our elders, not between our board, not between the deacons or whoever's serving here. It's not, it's not between some pastor, preacher, church group that keeps sending you letters. It is between you and Jesus. Let each one purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. What does grudgingly mean? Oh, i got to give. All right. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. No matter, what, no matter what area we're giving in. Are you with me? Whatever area I'm giving of myself, of my resources, God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. You know what Paul's trying to tell us there? God's not going to dry up the giver. He is going to superabound, giving you what you need to be a giver like our God is. So good. You know, as, as, as a pastor, I have the privilege of watching um, those on staff here, those that are volunteers, serve the Lord. And, um, you know, they go way above and beyond giving. They give sacrificially. They spend time, you guys know, and this isn't like to pump you up or something, but they know, I mean, they not only work all week long, by and large, but they go above and beyond praying with people, caring for people, reaching out to people, going to people's houses to meet needs. They're not on the clock Some serve behind the scenes and you never see them. They're doing diapers or they're cleaning this place, spraying it down so you guys stay safe and don't get the flu, Wuhan or COVID, whatever it's called. You know, God sees the sacrifice though, ultimately. They know that. Those that are serving behind the scenes, they know that. Others are seen, thank you for the amen again, little guy, awesome, she knows. Others are seen, security, greeters, parking, children's ministry, youth ministry. Do you know, by the way, do you know they want your kids to be blessed? And to know Jesus? And to walk with Jesus? And to never know a day when they haven't walked with Jesus? And they go above and beyond. It is sacrificial giving that they do. If you you weren't aware of this, I just want to make you aware of what goes on behind the scenes. That's what Paul's talking about here. Sacrificial giving. They're not getting paid for it. It is a sacrifice. And there is joy because ultimately they're doing it for Jesus. Not for any man. Not for any church, denomination, or whatever. And Jesus gives them the strength and sufficiency and supplies what they need, and it's in abundance. So let me ask you a question. Is God meeting your needs abundantly? Or are you coming up short? 
What sacrifice is God calling you to make? It's crucial we understand the context. His promise is for those who genuinely love their brother and honor God with their resources. That sacrificially give. The Philippians had needs. This promise meant so much to them. The poorest church around, this promise meant so much. And Paul says, whatever you need, guys, God's going to supply it, all your need. Now to God, now to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. What does your Bible say? What should be the response here, by the way? Should the glory go to God? Sometimes you hear that. What does it mean to give God glory? Does it mean we sing songs, lift up our hands? You know basically what it means? It means to make God look good. He's the one who's to look good. He's the one who gets the praise, the honor, the thanks. We celebrate him. That's what bringing glory means, to make the Lord look good. Paul's saying, I want God to look good, to be glorified, whether in life or in death, whether I'm a... Whether I'm abased or I'm abounding, I want God to look good. Because you know what can happen? Sometimes we're abased and we don't make God look very good. We're going through hard times, we're going through difficulties, and we do what? We sing the poor memes. And the focus gets turned where? Or we start looking at the circumstances around us, and we start boo-hooing, and we get our eyes off of who? Off of Jesus. But in whatever we're going through, we can have joy. And part of that is saying, I'm going to bring glory and honor to him to make the Lord look good. Well, he signs off. How many of you close your Bibles already? It's just the the goodbyes, the hellos and stuff. Don't miss this as we... Did I catch some of you closing your Bibles? (laughs) There was a call to repent earlier, wasn't there? (laughs) <laughs> Greet every saint. Say, what's up in Christ Jesus? Verse 21. The brethren who are with me greet you. They say, what's up? Hello. But don't miss this because you can close your Bible. You can bl- blaze through this when you're reading your Bible. Don't miss this next verse. Look what it says. All the saints greet you. By the way, who are saints? That's believers, by the way. Not someone on a dashboard or in your garden. All the saints say hello, they greet you, but especially, is, this, is Paul looking just to fill some more space? I got this scroll, I need to add a little bit more just to fill it up. Look what he says, but especially who? Those from Caesar's palace. The, especially those who are of Caesar's household. Is that an accident he says that? Who are those of Caesar's household? Who was Caesar at that time? Nero. Hey, the saints say hi, especially those from Caesar's palace. Why would they be saying hi? Remember what was happening. Paul's in prison. Who's he sharing with? He's sharing with the... He's writing letters, right? He's not wasting time. You know, God never wastes our time. We waste time. He doesn't. He's writing letters. I can't get out of here. Jesus. 
And they're getting saved. And where are they going? They're going to Caesar's palace. And what's happening in Caesar's palace? People are getting saved in Caesar's palace. There's a witness in Caesar's palace. Can I just remind us this morning that God does not leave himself without witness? Do you know that this morning? You, you know it in your own life. Didn't people witness to you before you got saved? Maybe you've come here this morning and people are witnessing to you. Ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit bearing witness that you need Jesus. And you don't know if you're going to heaven or not if you died. Jacob, we know, he's in heaven. He's with the Lord. He put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. His life, man, the works of his life backed up, man. There was no doubt. Are you sure this morning? The Lord's not leaving himself without witness in anybody's life. Do you know that there's probably... Not probably. I'm sure people are witnessing to Biden. Think about, remember Nebuchadnezzar? You guys remember Nebi? King Nebi? The big pickle from VeggieTales. You guys, <laughs> that help a little, that ring a bell? <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, remember who? Who did God lift up? Who's the witnesses for God in, in the government? Daniel? Rakshak and Benny, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God does not leave himself without witness. Man is without, cannot have any excuse. No excuse for rejecting Jesus Christ. No one ever can say, no one came and witnessed to me. No one shared with me. No, God will not leave himself without a witness. He witnesses. And I know there's some people that say, well, what about little... Little, Kong, little bongo on the conga. Or the guy on the island. Everybody ever hear about the guy on the island? What about the guy on the island, man? God will not leave himself without witness. Creation testifies to that dude. His conscience testifies to that dude. And listen, if you're so concerned about little bongo and the guy on the island, maybe God's calling you to go minister to them. Maybe that's your calling. You go to the far-reaching places to reach those people. And God wants to touch your life and use your life today. And it's all by his grace. Look at the last verse as we finish up. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I don't deserve this, Lord. Thank you so much. You're so good. His kindness, his goodness. Paul's like, may his goodness just flood your life, his kindness. Isn't that a great way to end? Started with grace, ends with grace. In Jesus' name, Lord, thank you so much for your amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet this is.